The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on Crawl Call, he's been young, restless, fly, and now he's high-strung. Actor, singer, writer, producer Michael Damien is here to tell us all about his upcoming film project. That and more coming up today on Crawl Call. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Kroll Call. I am your host, Dan Kroll, and how has your week been? If it's been anything like mine, I feel sorry for you. It's been a crazy week here over in uh, Kroll Callville, uh, just in general. I don't know if it has something to do with the new moon and uh, the meteor shower, whatever it is. There's been a whole lot going on. So while we try to get it all together and put everything together in the, a, a regular show here, let me tell you a little bit about what's going on. So first of all, one of our guests this week was supposed to be here on the show in the second half, and her plane, her flight to wherever it is that she's going, I don't want to give all the details of her life, was delayed by three or four hours. So that means that she is now currently in the air, high above something, uh, instead of being here with us on the show. So she may or may not land in time to be a part of the show coming up in the second half. If she doesn't, we're going to do one of our infamous crawl calls, and we're going to call someone who doesn't really know that we're going to be calling, and we'll see what sort of magic happens on the air. That should be very entertaining. What do you think? Um, it could also be a total disaster, which is sort of the way the rest of my week is going. If you have been following me on the Twitter machine or on Facebook, if you're not, now would be a really good time to go over to Facebook. I'm at Dan J. Kroll. You can friend me there. Let me know who you are and why you're friending me so that I can uh, push yes a little bit quicker. Uh, or follow me at Dan J. Kroll on Twitter. And you can t- sort of follow along with all of the shenanigans. So the, the first thing to wind back would be going back to July 27th. I guess actually even before that, I think a lot of you know who listen to the show regularly since we're coming up on 300 episodes. For 14 years, I had had a rabbit. Uh, unfortunately, about two years or so ago, he had passed away. And it's a case, I guess, with a lot of people who have pets that is an extremely difficult time. Uh, I mean, it's like a family member. It's, you know, if you don't have a pet, maybe you'll, you'll never really fully understand what it's like to have a pet. But for those of you who are pet owners and have unfortunately lost a pet, you know the, the process, the grieving process. And at some point, I would say maybe a year on from that, I decided that I would go to a local shelter, the House Rabbit Society. It's, it's in Delaware, uh, a bit away here from Philadelphia. And, you know, look for an animal that had not been wanted for one reason or another. Uh, Particularly, you know, a lot of kids get bunnies for Easter. 
And then when they start to grow up or when they realize that it's a lot of work or some things are involved there, they ship them off to a shelter or even worse, do other things with them. So it was really overwhelming. Uh, I know that you know, going to a rabbit shelter isn't necessarily what a lot of people do. But um, for me, it was really overwhelming to see all these animals and to see in, in various states of abuse. And it was fast forward. I couldn't do it. it I just wasn't ready. Um, so July 27th, just a, a couple of weeks ago, in the middle of Center City, Philadelphia, here at Kroll Manor, went outside, got the mail, came back, and there was a little white bunny under my car. We have no idea where it came from. We have no idea why it was there. But it was sort of really strange that in all of this city that's getting ready to have the Pope come here and hang out with us, this bunny showed up in my garage at a, a time when I was no longer really even thinking about a bunny or, or wanting a bunny. And he is now here flipping around, uh, hopping around the studio here at, at Kroll Manor trying to get his life in order. So if you hear me yelling and, and screaming and chasing and snapping, it's probably because he's into something that he shouldn't. So that's one of those things that I think a lot of people can maybe relate to is things happening that are just really weird that you can't explain. And a lot of these things seem to happen to me when I leave the house. I've probably should be ordered to stay in. I should get one of those uh, thing that Martha Stewart had, the, you know, the ankle bracelet. Sorry, Martha. Uh, she's not coming on the show now. Uh, you know, the, where you can't leave the house. A, a house arrest, ankle bracelet, monitor d- device. Because I went to an undisclosed restaurant earlier today, and at the next table was someone who just found out, a young woman who just found out that her boyfriend had been cheating on her and was, I mean, this is not really a family show. I can really say anything that I want on here. Uh, And she was quite colorful in her word choices and, and screaming and calling. And she had the, the other woman on the speaker phone and was, it was entertaining. So I was sitting and eating and, and getting ready for the show and making notes and, and hoping that I would have great questions for Michael Damien if and when he calls into today's show, which is another totally different issue. But a couple of days before that, I was at, I'll say it, I was at Wendy's. I was having a, a little chicken sandwich and some of these really great uh, honest tea mixers that they have. They're, they're chillers. It's mango and, and some carrot juice and it's honest tea. That's beside the point. And a woman was showing her grandchild birds and the bees with chicken nuggets. Um, I mean, there's really no way to sugarcoat this. Not that you would want to sugarcoat a, a chicken nugget in the first place. But, you know, she had one nugget on top of the other and was telling him that this is, you know, things that go on. Meanwhile, during the course of their discussion, and for those of you who are just tuning in, I am Dan Kroll. I am having a crazy meltdown here on air. It may or may not be entertaining for you. Tweet me at Dan J. Kroll, at Kroll Call Show. Let me know if this is amusing to you. I mean, I'm going to continue it one way or the other. Um, and I've received word that Michael will be calling in in a couple of moments, so my tirade will be shut down sooner rather than later. But the 
during the course of this, someone came over. It was, uh, I guess, a contemporary of the grandmother who uh, was having some issues with the mother of his child. And he was talking about suing her and taking the child and running out of state and all sorts of fun things like that. Not really fun, but crazy things. And then she told him afterwards, the, her grandchild, after the, the friend left, that he needs to keep his little chicken nuggets in his pants or he'll be having the same problems as this person. So that has been my week. It's also been, uh, hopefully, for our guests that are coming up, it's not that crazy of a week. As I mentioned, coming up a little later in the show, it's some more uncertainty. Our, Our scheduled guest is on a flight. Hopefully we'll be here. If not, it's live radio. We'll make up for it. But I am pleased to say that my first guest this week is here with us. He's been young. He's been restless, he's been fly, and now he's high-strung. To soap fans, you may know him as Danny Romilotti from The Young and the Restless. For music fans, you'll know him as the singer of the chart-topping hit Rock On. But in addition to that, Michael Damien is also an accomplished director and a producer. His latest project is the film High Strung. It's been getting some great buzz, and I figured it would be great to invite Michael to chat with us today. Michael Damien, welcome to Kroll Call. Hey, Dan, how you doing? I am doing great. You know, I've realized in the 20 years of, of doing all the stuff that I do on SoapCentral.com, we have never talked before. Why, Michael, have we not I, talked in 20 years? I know. I'm trying to figure out what, what went wrong. I mean, come on. I mean, was it because I called you collect? <laughs> well, you know, that might be. Uh, <laughs> or, or you didn't have enough quarters for the payphone. Well, I'm glad that we're, we'll be able to make up for 20 years of history right now. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely. I'll talk as fast as I can so we can get as much in as possible. (laughs) Well, there is a lot. We have, of course, we have music to talk about. We have uh, acting to talk about. We have some great buzz about High Strung to talk about. So let's rewind it back because, you know, in in doing some research for today's show to try to have 20 years worth of questions to talk to you about, I didn't know that (laughs) you landed your role on The Young and the Restless after you were already doing music. For some reason in my mind, I thought maybe music came after Y&R. So let's, let's go back and tell us about how all that happened. Well, I was, you know, I, I have a, I don't know if you know, I have a, uh, eight brothers and sisters and we had a family band. And so we performed for many, many years and played all the clubs and, you know, dances, Marine bases and all that good stuff. And so um, what happens, I had a single out uh, called She Did It. And I, Dick Clark had me on American Bandstand and I performed it on American Bandstand and the producers of Young and the Restless saw that performance on American Bandstand and that's when Bill Bell came up with uh, the character Danny Romilotti and they were looking for a singer who could act and um, at the time I'd never acted before but when they called and said, you know, do you act? I go, of course I do. <laughs> so <laughs> when somebody asked if you could act, you don't say, well, maybe. You just say yes. So, uh, it was one of those things. It was just perfect timing. Um, they said, look, you can, you know, sing and write and perform music on the show. Well, it's, it's fine. I would imagine though, with even before you were a professional actor with that many brothers and sisters, you were probably acting well before I'm an only child. So I don't know what it's like to have that many brothers and sisters. Oh, it's, well, we have enough for a baseball team. So it's perfect. You know, it's, it's, it was crazy and a wonderful, uh, you know, it was a wonderful uh, years growing up with the with the family and the kid. You know, we all played music together. We we're very close. Uh, it's kind of like the Partridge Family. We had the bus. You know, it was it was Partridge Family meets the Osmonds. 
It's an interesting sort of combination. That's actually also a lot of kids, uh, <laughs> just in thinking in general. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely, yes. I'll make sure you tell my mom. She, she, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, that, hey, uh, so let's go back and talk a little bit more about music because as one of the things that I'm going to do in terms of geeking out about music. Uh, what are some of your musical influences? I mean, we've we've mentioned a couple of things. We've mentioned Partridge Family and Osmonds and things, but uh, for you, musical influences? Um, well, I was a big Elvis Presley fan, mm-hmm. and I loved I loved Elvis Presley, um, the Beatles, Elton John. Uh, just you know, I loved Top Forty Radio. It was my yeah. you know I listened to the radio every day. You know that was like my thing. I just I loved. I love music, uh, you know, and uh, everything about it. I love touring, performing live on stage, singing, um, and uh, yeah, I just uh, Duran Duran, one of my favorite groups as well. Um, love love their music. A lot of eighties music was fantastic. Oh know, my gosh, uh, are, are you kidding? Absolutely. So I'm not even I'm remotely a singer. Good. And I've dreamed about having a number one Billboard hit. So June 3rd, 1989, Rock On goes to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. What is that like for you? Wow. Hey, thank you for telling me it was June 3rd. That's awesome. Uh, It was, you know, when you dream about something and you, you know, work as hard as you possibly can and like, oh, I could just get a number one record, man. That would be so awesome. And, uh... And it, you know, when it happened, it was, it was a bit surreal. Um, I'll never forget, um, you know, I was like talking to, I guess it was Casey Kasem. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. American Top 40. And it was just so wild. And uh, people like Rick Dees and they were, they were like, hey, what's it like to have a number one record? Do you know how many artists never reached that, that they had had hit records but never number one? I didn't know that, by the way. I, there, there were so many major artists that never reached the number one spot. And, and so it was really just an amazing feeling and uh, a great honor. Uh, I, I didn't take it lightly at all. I was like, it was, it was, you know, overwhelming in a good way. And uh, never forget it. And, um, you know, it's like winning kind of a gold medal, sort of, if you're, you know, in, in the uh, Olympic sports of music. That's sort of my, my analogy there. And, uh, you know, getting the gold record and stuff was amazing, too. And from around the world, that was also exciting. And for folks who are listening, of course, it isn't just rock on. You've released five albums. There's been eight top 40 hits. That's, I mean, you're talking about artists that haven't gotten number one hits. You know, there are artists that people know that haven't even had eight top 40 hits. So this is a pretty big deal. Well, you know, it's a, well, thank you for, for for uh, doing your research, but you know, I had a lot of music come out in Canada and in different countries before it actually came out in the U.S. I don't know if people realize that you know, in the U.S. Um, I had two albums uh, released in Canada before the U.S. That you know, and so I was on the Canadian Airways uh, before the U.S., which is kind of wild. And I'm not even Canadian, but it just kind of worked out that way. <laughs> I don't think it matters. I think the Canadians are very loving people. They'll they'll embrace everyone. Oh, you know what? I have to I have to make a little correction there. My grandmother uh, was French Canadian, so okay. I, I am basically, you know, a little Canadian. On peu, as I suppose that they would say, just on peu. Yeah, on peu. Yes, we, oui, we. Oui. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, now we're talking about, it's sort of an interesting segue in my head. You talk about, you know, a grandmother. I feel as though I have become someone's grandfather because, and I may be showing my age here, Michael, I was in the Apple store last week and there was sort of a, a barely 20-something sales associate who'd mentioned that he's never bought music because now you can listen to subscription services and stream music. I The idea to me, Michael, of not buying Music is foreign concept. I'm pretty sure I had a single or a 45 of rock on. I mean, I still buy CDs. Uh, or am, am I old? <laughs> am I a dinosaur? No, I know. I there's something. Um, there's something interesting. You know. You know. You know what I would uh, compare this to. There's something about your hands around a paperback book. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Versus an iPad. There's just something really grounding about it, and I think that that's probably the same that, that uh, you would feel about um, CD or, or old vinyl. There's just something you know, organic, uh, maybe more about the vinyl because it is organic. Uh, so it's kind of like uh, uh, shooting on film versus shooting digitally, and there's just something magical about film. Uh, you know, it, it's organic, and it's pretty, there's something magical that's captured. So I uh, know. I think that it's kind of nice to hold something in your hand besides just your smartphone with everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, and vinyl's coming back. I mean, I, I see the kids going into things like Barnes and Nobles or Best Buy and coming out with vinyl and thinking it's just you know the coolest thing. You know, not realizing that I have a, a stack of uh, thirty-three and a thirds probably in, in an attic somewhere that <laughs> I'm sure that would marvel them. <laughs> I think that's so cool. I love it. I think it's awesome. No, that's that's great. I'd be proud of it. Don't don't. You're not old. You're young and restless. I'm telling you. Well, thanks. I I enjoy that. I I you know maybe there was a time when I was perhaps bold and beautiful, but I'm fine with young and restless as well. <laughs> uh, so since you've mentioned young and restless, real quick, because some of the folks who are listening, you know, may not really be fully yeah. aware of of all the stuff yeah. that went on on YNR in 90 seconds or less. This is Michael Damian, folks. He is giving us a speed lesson. Everything you needed to I, know about Danny Romilotti. Go. Am I, I think I'm, I oh, hope you don't mind, I'm actually driving Uh-oh. and I'm periscoping at the same time that we're doing the interview with you. So this is a bit <laughs> abstract for me because, you know, I've never, I did, I've never had to have so many parts moving at one time. And, <laughs> I, and I'm having a bad hair day. So, sorry. Uh, uh, YNR, you want the, speed, the update on YNR really quick? No, Is that what it is? No, I want it, 90 seconds or less. Everything that folks okay. need to know about Danny from the time you joined the show till now, uh, like okay. the Reader's Digest speed version. Okay, so Danny comes on the show. He's this nice kid dreaming of being a, a star, a singing pop star. Um, he gets his break. He does a music video. Mrs. Chancellor finances the music video. Uh, he records a song called Rock On. Coincidentally, Michael Damien also has a song called Rock On. And, of course, uh, you know, Danny Romilotti's record goes to number one on the charts, and so does Michael Damien's record goes to number one on the charts. And then Danny falls in love with, of course, Cricket. Uh, they get married in Hawaii. It's awesome. They're sort of a Romeo and Juliet, you know, couple. And then, of course, some things happen. Phyllis enters the scene. Uh, I lose a kidney. Somebody gives me a free kidney. Uh, Michael, uh, that's right, Michael gives me a kidney. And uh, then Danny goes off to do Joseph on Broadway, and so does Michael Damien in real life. And 
that's pretty much uh, the update so far. Sounds about right. Well, since you mentioned doing Broadway, let's, you know, I spend so much time, I think, talking to people about the the rigors of daytime television and how tough it is. But Broadway is no walk in the park either. It's really, really tough to do, what, eight shows a week. Eight shows a week is really complex. It's, uh, it takes, it's a, it's, a, it's a way of life. You have to focus on it 24-7. You have to, you know, you don't go out. You take naps between matinees. Um, it is really, uh, it takes Olympic training, uh, I'll say. You really have to um, take it very serious. It's a great honor to be on Broadway. And, of course, I was working, you know, with Angela Weber was incredible. And it was something that I will, you know, cherish forever. And just to, you know, be in New York City on the Broadway stage, the energy, the crowds, uh, it was it was surreal, but it is an amazing schedule, and you really have to stay in shape uh, physically, mentally, vocally, and um, you know you you the cat everybody else goes out at, after the show, and you know you you don't you know you don't go out, you go right to bed. That was kind of my what I did for two years. Yeah, I mean but, it's 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 funny to to see that, but it it really is. Even though it's it's the same show, where I mean, with soaps, the challenge is learning a, a new script every day. It's just eight shows for folks out there who are listening to this. Think of eight shows in a seven day period. You know, usually one day off, and uh, just a lot of of work and having to keep your voice, especially in in a musical, having to keep your voice. I mean, I don't know how you did it, Michael. Well, the reason why I was saying you don't go out, just so you know, not that you're, you're you know, no fun. It's just that uh, what happens when you go out to a restaurant or a, or a bar or a club, everybody talks really loud. Yep. And so you're, you're out there talking all night, and then, you know, in the morning, kind of, you have a little bit of a raspy thing going. Mm. Uh, that, that's the thing when you're, when you're doing a show, you don't, you really want to protect your voice. And that's your, that's your main tool. You've got to protect it always. And... So, you know, that's why it requires tremendous discipline and focus. I am so impressed by the Broadway performers that do it, you know, year in, year out. It's extraordinary what they're accomplishing. I, I you know, I was watching, I just saw um, Matthew Morrison uh, doing uh, Finding Neverland. Mm-hmm. And phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. And I was just, wow, this guy, is, his voice was perfect, perfect pitch. Just his passion, his energy, uh, commitment to the role was extraordinary, and you know, I, I, I just really, I marvel at that, and and I'm blessed that I had a chance to, you know, to do that on Broadway. We're going to talk about some of the behind the camera stuff now, but before we do that, what do you think of Periscope? I, you know, Periscope randomly. What's been your experience? What do you think of it? Periscope, the new app. Yeah. I'm using it right now. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah, I, I hope you don't mind. I was broadcasting while I'm talking to you. No, go right ahead. You know, I'm pe- over here periscoping too, but, you know. Oh, you're, okay, this- you're, okay, great. Well, we, I just started using it, so it's, it's great. I mean, the only thing is, you know, I know it disappears quick, but you've got to get it while you can. You've got to watch it fast. <laughs> so for those of you out there who are listening who are not periscoping, uh, we'll send the links. You can go and, and check all of this out and see it. It's, it's, it certainly yeah, is entertaining. I, 
It's awesome. I'm at the I'm at the corner of Santa Monica and Doheny, and you want to something really cool. Uh, well, I don't know if it's that cool, but for me it was cool because the first club we played at when I came to L.A. from San Diego is right around the corner. It's the Troubadour. And have you heard of the Troubadour? I have. I also, there's a, a, a further up Doheny, there's a, 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 yeah, it's up a little bit. There's a great little French place that has a, some great cupcakes. Don't know the name, but yeah, I, I know exactly yeah. where you're at. Yeah, there's a cafe just right here. Uh, we go there a lot. There's, it's fantastic. But the Troubadour also was the first place that Elton John and uh, Billy Joel played at. Wow. So a lot of, it has, it was, I think it was Elton John's first U.S., you know, live, live uh, performance. Um, but at least that's what they told me at the Troubadour. Maybe they just made it up. Uh, it sounded good at the time. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so let's, let's go it, with the transition. It's not from- the first couple you're driving, by the way. It's very dangerous. Unless you have it for the folks out there, get yourself a little camera mounted shebang and, uh, you know, attach it to the dashboard or the whatever. But for now, because since we're almost done chittering and chattering here, transition from music to acting to Broadway. And more recently, you sort of uh, transitioned to doing things behind the camera. 2006, first film you directed was Hot Tamale. Have you always had that bug that you wanted to do some of the behind-the-scenes work, or is that something like everything else that sort of maybe uh, sort of just presented itself with an opportunity? Um, I've always loved uh, all aspects of movie making, and um, technically uh, just, you know, I love the, the cinematic approach, the way it all comes together, the editorial process, the writing process, um, and I learned a lot uh, on Young and the Restless, uh, and I learned a lot working with some fantastic directors, and it's always been really super fascinating to me. And so when I started writing, uh, the next phase was actually, what would happen was I, I, I did a short film, and I wanted to learn every, every aspect of it, so I went to school and learned about cinematography, bought my own film camera, I bought two Airflex film cameras, and started shooting all my own stuff, developing the film myself, you know, transferring it to, to digital, editing, you know, went to editing, you know, learn to edit, you know, learn the technical side. You know, not that I want to be, uh, go out there and, and, you know, do everyone's job. It's just that I wanted to be able to, when you communicate to someone, you want to, you want to know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and so it just helps you understand also what they're thinking, what they're going through, and help you with your uh, communication when you could talk in technical term as well. So that was uh, how it all began. And uh, did a short film, Finders Keepers. It was at a bunch of film festivals. Did a television pilot in France called Red Eye that I wrote with my wife, Janine, who's my writing partner. And then we, you know, things started working out and made um, some films for Fox. You probably, uh, the Flicka movies, I don't know if you saw Mm -hmm. Flicka, the horse films. And uh, Marlene Me the Puppy Years, I made for Fox. And then we had A Princess for Christmas. It was a big holiday movie, which was pretty cool. And because I love the holidays, and my, my wife and I were like, we got to write a Christmas project. we got to do a Christmas movie. <laughs> so um, that, that was a film we did, A Princess for Christmas. By the way, the star of that movie has since then become, you know, quite famous, Sam Hewen. Uh, do you know Sam Hewen from Outlander, the, the hit show? 
it keeps popping up on my timeline of things that I need to watch and people telling me. I'm, I'm a little slow on the uptake of finding new things to watch. Oh, okay. I've just discovered Orphan Black, so uh, sell it to me here. I'm all about watching yeah. new shows. Well, anyway, so uh, Princess for Christmas did really well, and, and Sam, since then, has, has taken off, which is pretty cool. He's a great guy and a fabulous actor. And uh, so I just to work with a great young talent, and then, you know, you, you start honing in on your craft. You tr- I personally just try to better myself, you know, constantly. I really want to keep improving as a director, or, um, as a producer. And so my wife and I, uh, you know, we work, we do all this together, and she is uh, was a really famous dancer way back when, and you know, got a scholarship to the you know, uh, SAB, uh, the, the big ballet school in New York, and uh, you know, then went on to dance with Michael Jackson and Prince, and was a solid gold dancer. And uh, I come from the music world, as you know, and we said, let's make a film about dance and music, and two of our our, you know, past careers, but, but, you know, we both, it was, it was so important in our lives and something that we really understood and that we thought we could, you know, uh, write something that, that would be entertaining, inspiring, exciting. And, uh, so that's when we started working on High Strong and that started about a year and a half ago, the writing process. And now we have completed the film and we're just getting ready to announce the release date and uh, pretty excited about it. You know, it, I was following along. You know, certainly when people start mentioning things on Twitter, uh, you know, you follow the link. But uh, as many people do, they see something and their mind starts to wander first, and then they click the link and they get it. So for me, High Strung, originally I had, Michael, I had three sort of thoughts. I thought, okay, maybe it's going to be a workplace drama about a worker who's ready to snap. That sounds like High Strung. Then I thought, maybe it's about, you know, like a guitar player who has a drug problem. That sounds like High Strung. Then I thought it was maybe the life story of, I don't know, a tightrope walker. None of those are correct. None of them are even close. So I'm just going to let you tell everyone exactly what it is about. Um, High Strong is about, you know, without giving away, I don't like to do too many spoiler alerts or, That's, you know, no spoilers, people, but no spoilers. Uh, but, uh, it's about a, a girl from the Midwest, a young ballerina and her first time in New York city. And she is, you know, goes to a conservatory and she, um, of course, you know, the trials and tribulations of the first time in New York you know, about to embark on something incredible in your life as a dancer. And uh, she meets a young, brooding hip-hop violinist who's busking in the subways of New York. It's how their worlds collide with a dance crew that also live uh, in the building uh, above the hip-hop violinist. And it's three worlds colliding in New York City uh, high energy, insane dance numbers. There's romance. There's beauty. There's drama, and um, you know it's about when you have a passion and a dream and something you really that's really important to you. You know how hard will you work to achieve it, and you know do you give up? You know do you go down the wrong path? The, 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 the easy route is not necessarily the right route. And do you, you know, do you stay true to yourself in the end and, and succeed? But 
don't step on people on your way to succeeding. And that's sort of the uh, overview of the film. I think that's that's great. And, you know, poking along, getting more information, Dave Scott, a lot of people may know from uh, as one of the professional choreographers on So You Think You Can Dance, involved in in the project. Are you watching this season of So You Think You Can Dance? Absolutely. I love it. Are you kidding? I I watch every season, and I love So You Think You Can Dance. Uh, Dave Scott is an incredible choreographer and so thrilled that he's done the film, and he did an amazing job. Uh, I think people are going to be blown away when they see some of the stuff he's created. Uh, and also, uh, Comfort, one of the all-stars of Speed Dickie Dance, is also in the movie. Oh, wonderful. And she's amazing. In fact, she's, she's going to be featured on the show Monday. So please watch Speed Dickie Dance on Monday because you're going to see Comfort doing an awesome number. I was just talking to her a few minutes ago. And... Uh, uh, you know, we've got some incredible, uh, you know, dancers. Nigel Lithgow, by the way, has seen the movie and really liked it and, and gave us some amazing quotes uh, after seeing it. So it's really great to get the support of, of So You Think You Can Dance. Well, then we're definitely going to tune in for that. I won't put you on the spot and ask you. I was going to ask you if you're Team Stage or Team Street. We'll just say you're Team Both. Before we <laughs> get ready to go here, we've got Thank a quick you. speed round for you. <laughs> Five quick questions. First thing that comes to your mind, and and then we'll uh, let you get back to your unperiscoping. So, first question: What's the first album you remember buying? Uh, first album, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Good choice. Have you ever been caught by someone at a red light while you're singing to music or the radio or something? Yes, a giant tour, a giant open air tour bus in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 you I, know. Was leaving, I was just leaving the Fantasia's Theater. I had just performed <laughs> Joseph, and, and I'm in the car, and I'm playing live. I had a convertible, I had the music blaring, and I'm singing, and I look up, and it's a whole tour bus, and they're all looking down, and they're photographing it. It was pretty funny. Did you keep singing? Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. good. I, 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 I just directed it towards the bus instead of just singing out, you know, towards the stoplight. Okay. Uh, have you ever, in a real everyday conversation, said to someone, "Rock on"? Absolutely. Have you? Really? <laughs> I think I have. <laughs> I think it may have been recently. I've, I'm still stuck in, in the '80s and '90s. Least favorite household chore. Least favorite household chore. Yes. Uh, uh, oh gosh. Um, oh my gosh. All of them but, is acceptable. You can say all of them. I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm good at dishwashing, though, you know? Really? I'm pretty good okay. at it, actually. Yeah, in fact, I, I, we should do a contest where I go to one of your listeners' house and do their dishes. I mean, I'm, I'm really... <laughs> I would like that. I, I think, I it, actually, I think it'd be, be awesome. Fun. Let's do it. I, you know what? That's exactly what we're going to do. We'll work on the details of that later. Last question. Is there a talent or skill that you wish you had? Uh, magic. Really? Wow. Yeah. I, I would love to do like a really awesome, like be at like dinner with some people and then just all of a sudden go, and then like, you know, a rabbit pops out or, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or, or you know, it'd be cool too. Like, I'd like to be talking to the person and, and then say like, oh my gosh, you've got the same watch that I have and that I've got their actual watch and I'm wearing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> That would be amazing. Or we can put the two together. Have you? I'd love for you to do a magic trick where all of my dishes in my house become clean. That would be amazing. Um, <laughs> you gotta, 
you got to use the dishwasher. I'm telling you, it's a new invention. Mm-hmm. It, just, it came right after the CD player. <laughs> I had that back when I was listening to my 8-track. So, Michael, before we let you go, please let everybody know yeah. how they can keep up with you on social media and where they can, of course, get the latest information about High Strung. Okay, you can always go to Michael Damien One at Michael Damien One. I'm on uh, Twitter. Uh, you can go to the real Michael Damien. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also, you can go to at High Strung Movie. That's always good too. At High Strung Movie, you'll find everything. So there's the real Michael Damien, uh, Michael Damien One, and uh, at High Strung Movie. Sounds easy enough. And for anybody out there, if you miss them, fear not. We will have all of them for you on our Twitter feed at Crow Call Show and at CrowCall.com. Michael, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out to chat about all sorts of fun stuff here today. Oh, it was really great talking with you. And, and now, what city are you in? I'm in Philadelphia at the moment, but I could pop up in L.A. at any given moment. You never know. I'm sort of like, you know, the rabbit in the hat. Okay, fantastic, because I know we're going to have a big premiere uh, for the movie in New York, and we're going to have one in Hollywood. So I'd love to have you at, at either premiere, whichever city you want to go to, or both. Whatever, whatever works. Both is always great. But we'll figure that out. We'll figure out your dishes and whose house you can go over to wash their dishes. Uh, everybody, stay tuned. We're going to have more of Kroll Call after this brief commercial break. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Hey, so fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who's slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. Welcome back to this week's edition of Kroll Call, everybody. I am your host, Dan Kroll. I want to give Michael Damien a big thank you for being with us in the last segment. As I mentioned at the top of the show, if you were tuning in and listening to my crazy on-air meltdown. It wasn't really that bad. It was maybe uh, mildly entertaining for those of you out there. The guest that we had scheduled for the second half of the show is still somewhere circling on a plane. Haven't heard that she has landed yet. So 
We have reached out to a friend to the show who is always entertaining in his own right. He is the executive editor of Soaps in Depth magazine. He's a friend of the show here on Curl Call. He's a friend to pretty much everyone because he's everywhere on the internet under every account. He is somewhere on his own circling on the ground in parts of the United States. Richard Sims, where in the world are you? Well, at the moment, I am somewhere between... Uh, I'm coming up on Liverpool, apparently. Uh, We're heading into upstate New York to our top-secret location where we do a lot of our filming for our movies. And so we're we're heading there now to do some filming. Well, that should be entertaining. Have you ever been... We talked to Michael Damien in the last segment. Have you ever been caught at a... Well, you don't... I don't think you drive, but have you ever been caught in the car singing by someone else in another car? I very much have. I used to drive. I don't anymore, but I used to drive. And by the way, if Michael Damien wants to just run around the country doing dishes at people's houses, he is more than welcome to make a stop at my house right before he goes to yours because I have no problem with that. Uh, wouldn't that be great? You know, go to hit the uh, opening in New York of his new film and then say, hey, by the way, for the after party, want to go to my place and wash some dishes? Thanks, Michael. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. I think that would be a grand time. <laughs> no, I like that. It's interesting, though, since we're going to dial it to a sort of a soap angle and some other angles. Michael was periscoping the interview and he was having a good time. We were chatting. Now, Periscope is the new thing, Richard. For those of you who are listening, it's sort of, you know, like the news folks, they have their their news vans and they have satellites and they can broadcast anything by a satellite from anywhere in the world. Well, now anyone with a cell phone or anything connected to a network can broadcast live. And Richard, we found that out last weekend, I guess it was, at the General Hospital Fan Club weekend when some stars were saying some things that got caught on the Periscope that perhaps they may not have wanted to be on the Periscope, or maybe they did. What do we think? What are we talking about? Do we want to mention well, names? Well, I, I think that it's a very dangerous situation, um, and it's funny because we're seeing soap stars do the same thing that politicians have been doing for the last few years. They seem to forget that they're living in an era where um, there is, if you are a public person and you are out in public, you can be pretty sure that someone is pointing a camera at you and they're taping you, and, you know, it's, you see it all the time where, you know, oh, well, that's not really what I meant. Well, here's the word. You know, they're out there in public now and people can see them. And it's, it can be a little bit, um, you know, it can be a little bit of a mess. Now, I'm told um, we had somebody at the various general hospital events, including the one we're talking about, which was um, Maurice Bernard was, was talking at his fan event. And he said some things that, you know, very much in jest that, uh, when they were taken out of context and seen on the internet, people, you know, kind of, kind of took him to task for it. And it very quickly was taken down by various places. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the organizer of the events was, was kind of asking people, you know, hey, would you not put that up because it's causing some trouble? And, you know, again, it, it was taken, you know, it, he was very much joking, but unfortunately, some things like that, can come back and bite you. And so you have to be careful what you say when you're in a public place and, you know, especially a fan event, everyone out there is, is taking pictures and recording and, and it's, it's going to be on tape. It's not, it's live, not Memorex. So taking the soap angle out of it, I mean, has this now maybe forced us as a society to not do anything? 
Because, I mean, you can't even, you know, belch in the wrong direction or it'll end up on Periscope. I think it's less that it's forced us not to do anything than it has. It, it is slowly but surely sort of, maybe it's going to make us a better society because we have to be a little bit more on our toes and realize that, you know, whether it's your driving badly. I mean, I, I, earlier we were driving down the road and the woman, there was a woman in the car next to us who was uh, eating a bowl of cereal with one hand and had her phone in the other. I mean, and so, you know, I took a picture, you know, um, so maybe we're living in a society where slowly but surely social media and the availability of programs like Periscope is going to start teaching us that we need to be a little more careful how we behave. We need to sort of, you know, be careful what we say, because it is out there, and uh, and somebody's watching. Big Brother's watching, and so are a lot of other people. A lot of people are watching The Young and the Restless. Their ratings are up, and this past week we found out, after, what, months? We found out who the killer was. Yeah, we spoiler did. alert, if you're, if you're listening and you haven't watched the last couple of days, you know, you might want to cover your, your ears because we are talking about things that have been, that were just revealed on air. Um, I, it's funny, there were some people who, for a while, have suspected that Harding would turn out to be the killer. It's a very bizarre twist to me, and the way it played out was a little weird because basically Marco, a.k.a. Jack's doppelganger, was driving down the road, and he was pulled over by uh, Harding for speeding, I believe it was. And he kind of just, I, I said on Twitter, he just sort of rolled down his window and said, hey, want to join the Evil League of Eagle? And the next thing you know, <laughs> and the next thing you know, you know, Harding was going around killing people. It, it's, I also thought it was really funny that when Harding found um, uh, uh, Courtney at the police station, okay, she's there in her full wedding dress, including her hippy-dippy white, like, flowers in her hair. And he says, oh, we must go catch the bad guy. And, of course, really, he wants to kill her because she now knows what's going on. And I'm like, really? You think you're going to show up and get this international drug lord or go confront even Jack Abbott, and you're going to not stop and change clothes? You're just going to go in your wedding dress with your flowers in your hair? <laughs> it, it, just, it, was, it was very, very, very funny to me. But, yeah, we now know, we now know that um, it, despite the fact that it kind of looked as if Marco was the killer. We now know that Harding actually committed the murders. So, so there you go. <laughs> you and I were chatting behind the scenes. This may should not come as a surprise to anybody, but you know we also talk outside of this show, and we also talk every now and then. Privately, every now and again. <laughs> every now and again. I had mentioned, you know, a lot of folks had been pressing for Harding and Kevin to have some sort of relationship to maybe explore that Kevin could be gay, <laughs> and my comment was, you know, will Kevin find out and somehow Harding will seduce Kevin into keeping silent right. and that gives everyone what they want, but not really. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think there was also, I mean, while there were, of course, the, the slash fan fiction folks leaning that way, a lot of people noticed all the way back in January, which was really just before this story started, because if you remember... This story actually started on Valentine's Day. They all yeah, went to that right. really bad party that Abby threw up in the woods and, <laughs> uh, for Valentine's Day. The, you know, the worst attended party other than Devon's bachelor party. Oops. And uh, that's, where, that's where this all went down. That's where Austin was murdered, and that's where this whole murder mystery began. Um, but right before that, Harding had sort of flirted with and even kissed Abby. 
And a lot of people really picked up on the chemistry between Chris McKenna, who plays Hardy, and Melissa Ordway, who plays Abby. And so there was kind of this, this, this group who were really, and I was among them. I really liked that pairing, and I was hoping that we would explore more of that. Because, I mean, you know, how much fun is it to see the rich girl, the rich pampered girl, with the sort of, uh, you know, kind of grubby, schlubby detective? I mean, that, that was, there was so much potential there, but I kind of suspect we won't be seeing that because, this doesn't feel like one of those things, uh, it's not really a general hospital story where, you know, everybody shoots everybody and everybody gets away with it. I kind of think that, that Harding is going to end up being made to pay for his crimes. So I don't think we're going to get either Kevin or Abby getting some loving from uh, Officer Officer Harding. Officer Harding has only knocked off, what, two people. There's a day's serial killer <laughs> coming up that... Allegedly, hypothetically, but not really. I've already said that, um, you know, at least three, maybe more people will be knocked off. Um, Days of Our Lives loves to do the serial killer. Um, They've done it before, so it's not necessarily original. It's interesting that that's a storyline that they chose to kick off their 50th anniversary fun and, and foolery with. If it comes out to be the best thing ever done, does that make it okay, Richard? Or is it still sort of it could be the best thing since the Loving Murders, but they've done it before, so it's not going to be good anyway? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, well, it feels like. I do. I do. I understand exactly what you mean. And, and I mean, you know, they say there are only so many original stories to tell. Mm-hmm. I. I'm a little wary of this because it's, you know, we've been hearing for months and months because, of course, Days, tapes, Days of Our Lives tapes six months in advance. So we've been hearing for a long time how excited the cast is and how energized everyone is. And then when finally stuff started, you know, leaking out about what their big uh, 50th anniversary story was going to be and they said it was going to be a serial killer, I think a lot of us said, really? Haven't we done, you know, we've done the Salem Slash or we've done the Salem Strangler. We did Everybody Dies and ends up on an island that happens to look exactly like Salem um, so, you know, I, I'll be interested to see exactly what it is that will make this different from those stories that have already come before. It's it's going to be really hard. And the bigger problem is, how do you keep the secret? Because when you do film six months in advance, um, you know, there have already been murders filmed. Um, yep. And, you know, it's, it's going to get increasingly hard as the months go on to keep people, now that they know there's a serial killer storyline coming, from finding out exactly who the killer is, who the victims are. I do think with this, you're going to have to have a really, it's going to have to be really well done. There's going to have to be a really emotional hook to it. And it has to have a, pardon the pun, I know you love puns, it has to have a real killer ending. Because if you do another another storyline where everybody's alive and well and living in a duplicate town called New Salem spelled backwards, People are not going to be filled with that. It's true. I will say, that, you know, I've before it came out that there was going to be a murder. I know who it is. I knew who gets killed and all these Are you things. trying to put your name at the top of the serial killer's list? Is that what you're doing here? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that I can keep a secret. So good for me. Um, as I'm looking to make sure that we don't run out of time before we get to talk about some of the other stuff here, uh, new writers at General Hospital. We've talked about that before here on Kroll Call. But there are a lot of characters on the GH canvas. 
Could that show use a serial killer to slash off a couple of people, or can we find more productive ways to trim the cast? Or do we need well, to trim you the know, cast? Honest, I, I agree. If there was if there was a serial killer going to strike somewhere, it should be General Hospital because that is such a huge cast. It's really just it's it's bloated to the point where people disappear and storylines disappear for weeks. You know, we'll reveal that that mm-hmm. that uh, that. Brad has a wife, and then we'll just drop that story for two weeks. Um, so, yeah, I do think that that cast definitely needs some cutting, and I think we are going to see that. Um, it's, it's interesting because right now, now, you know, I've said for a while that if I was, um, if I was uh, doing, you know, PR or whatever for General Hospital, I'd be shouting from the rooftops anything I'm going to change because I want people to get excited. I would be saying, you know, look, you know, we've got the new writers. Their stuff will start airing probably mid to late October, definitely by November sweeps. Um, and here's, here's, you know, kind of a tease of what we've got. The same way Days of Our Lives has been doing with their whole reboot. Um, but so far, General Hospital has been really very quiet. There's been a few things that have gotten out. Frank spoke, Frank Valentini, the executive producer, talked a little bit at the fan club weekend about, you know, sort of the, some of the changes they're making and that, yes, we'll be seeing more romance than we've seen in the past and, um, but but they're not really getting up on a on a pedestal and shouting the changes yet. So um, we're sort of all still in a holding pattern as to what exactly Shelley Altman and uh, Jean Passanante's vision for General Hospital is going to be. We only have about thirty seconds to talk about the bold and the beautiful. But I will say, Ababatunde and Anna Maria Horsford, <laughs> great job. The the whole Maya Rick wedding thing. It was great stuff. I loved it. If you Your turn. did not see Maya's wedding, seek it out. Go to cbs.com. It was. I believe Thursday's episode. See it. It was it. It was the kind of thing that just it's classic, great, amazing soap opera. Um, it's they're not reinventing the wheel. It's an old-fashioned wedding, but with a transgender bride. So it's it and and this wonderful family showdown between her and her father who didn't really accept her. Yeah, just fantastic stuff. Seek it out if you're a soap opera fan and watch it because it was it, it's going to win next year's Emmy. So you might as well watch it. Guaranteed. Um, in the 30 seconds or so that we do have left. What's on the cover of the latest editions of the CBS and the ABC versions of Soaps in Depth, and where can people find you? Well, CBS edition, we have the um, Hillary Devon wedding, which is happening right now. It uh, will we'll kick into high gear next week, and we're building toward, you know, sort of will, will the truth about Devon's um, having supposedly slept with a hooker at his bachelor party, will that come out? The ABC issue um, is is sort of a little bit more of a catch-all. We're, we're looking at, um, there's a big effort right now by fans of Michael Easton to get um, him back on the show, so we have a story about that. Uh, lots of stuff in the new issue. And in the issue after this, by the way, the next ABC issue, we have an exclusive interview with Michael Easton. It's his, his exit interview we're really excited about. Um, so that's coming up as well. As for where you can find me, throw something at the internet, you'll find me. How rude are you? Soaps and Depth ABC, Soaps and Depth CBS, Facebook.com slash Trailfee, T-R-A-L-F-I-E. Go on the internet, send out a message, it'll find its way to me. Richard, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your travels to your secret location to be here with me, and we (laughs) will talk to you on the show again soon. Thanks for having me. Mm I also want to thank Michael Damien for dropping by this week. Next week on the show, we're going to be talking about S-E-X and W-E-I-G-H-T. It'll be like a spelling bee. It's going to be the real-life story of a woman who fell in love with a gay man and how they made it work. Plus, Emmy winner Martha Byrne talks about a new series, Wait, if you haven't checked it out. Follow our Twitter feed at Curl Call Show, and we can tell you where to go and check it out. And I can't wait 
for that show. Uh, but in the meantime, more of my bad puns can be heard on demand in any of our nearly 300 episodes of Kroll Call. It's in our archives at krollcall.com and on iTunes. It's all completely free, so go and listen. Check them out. Remember, you can catch us live every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And also remember that the next time the phone rings, pick it up. It could be the Kroll Call. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah.